Live from Mux Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie, this is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. It is Kenny and Tyoprin live from Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. I am Ben Kenny. No Zach Heilprin tonight. He is still ill, feeling much better. We miss him. I hope to have him back on Tuesday at least. We'll see. Everyone check on Zach. Tweet on him if you can. We do have a special guest, however, joining us tonight. He is former Wisconsin tight end Jacob Peterson. Jacob, thanks for hanging out. I want to start 6.10 p.m. on Sunday. What were you doing? Not watching football. Not watching football. You weren't tuned into the Packers game. Romeo Dobbs drops the pass in the end zone. And then the world, the Wisconsin Badger world, at least, just explodes. Yeah, I was actually uh, sitting in a festival grocery store. Really? And I got the uh, text that this news came out. And uh, it was pretty crazy. I told the... uh, the grocery store clerk in front of me and she didn't seem to care so unfortunately i was by myself so i had to text somebody the big news that broke (laughs) there was good service in the grocery store i figure yeah not too bad actually so i want to start there obviously the big news that has rocked the badger world the wisconsin fires paul christ on sunday after a demoralizing loss for lack of a better term against illinois and brett bielema on saturday i I want to start, I mean, initial thoughts and reactions, aside from, I figure there are group chats that are still alive from your playing days or your friends that have, you know, obviously moved up from Wisconsin football. Aside from the group chats blowing up on a Sunday and probably distracting you from, from the grocery store, what, what were the initial thoughts? Because it took me a minute to wrap my head around it, what it meant, but what was your initial reaction to, I mean, an unprecedented move from the program? I think it was probably similar to what you're hearing from a lot of the current players today. Uh, I had the opportunity to play for Coach Chris when he was the offensive coordinator with Coach Bielema. Uh, He was just a first-class coach. Uh, Really liked him. I was shocked. I mean, obviously, the the season hasn't started out how they wanted. I don't think anyone blames it, but I think everybody was a bit surprised. I think they saw, you know, Coach Chris having the opportunity to play the season out, maybe make some improvements, but... At the same time, you know, I get some of the other arguments you're seeing on the other side. Yeah, it's it's weird because a lot has come out. There was a long piece uh, in The Athletic from Jesse Temple about maybe what has gone wrong recently. And Paul Chris was your offensive coordinator, as you said, when you were at Wisconsin. One of the main themes of the piece was his greatest trait, which is his loyalty. Everybody who knows him, and I assume you would agree with this, he is the most loyal person. They have met everybody he knows. He is... Uh, loyal to and almost, I mean, the article laid it out and a parent said this, almost loyal to a fault where maybe that ended up being one of the downfalls of the Paul Christ era where they mentioned the fact that in terms of assistance, uh, there weren't changes made or maybe they were made too slowly. Um, A lot has come out since and there's the recruiting angle, there's the staff angle. I mean, in terms of the timing of it, can you get behind in the middle of the season? Like you were a player, you know what it would be like on a Sunday to come into the meeting room and for them to say, okay, we've just fired the head coach that brought you here that you know so well, what would the reaction be like in that room and how do you kind of move through that into a football game? Yeah, I mean, a lot to unpack there, but I feel like to a degree I kind of lived it because I was here when Coach Coach Bielema, you know, bolted for Arkansas. 
And I remember being in the team meeting room before he left and him saying, hey, you guys are going to be hearing some things in the media. Don't believe it. It's not true. You know, I was back home on break before we left for uh, the bowl game. And I don't remember if it was before or after, whatever it was. It's almost 10 years ago now. Next thing you know, I'm sitting in uh, my, my buddy's parents' restaurant. It's like, Coach Bielamo leaving for Arkansas. And every single person in the bar just, boom, turned their head and looked at me. And so you like, heard it in the media before? Yeah, before we were told. Huh. And uh, obviously had to get back to Madison shortly after that. Uh, Coach Bielema addressed it. So a little different scenario. He wasn't obviously fired, but it was still one of those like surprise moments. You weren't expecting it. You know, we were going to the Rose Bowl. Like, there's a lot of things going on that you know were kind of blindsided. It's the same situation here. As a player, these guys know there's things they need to fix. They know that they're not executing. They're, you know, there's stuff that they need to get better at. I don't think any of them were sitting at home on Sunday expecting that to happen. So it's a blind side. But, again, I, if you're, if you're Mac, uh, Chris McIntosh, you, know, you, you don't make this decision unless you feel you have some confidence in Jim Leonard. Uh, it's been in other, in other you know, blogs, other articles. You know, this is a six-, seven-game tryout for you know, him to be able to prove if he has what it takes to be a head coach. You know, he, he's had a lot of great defenses. He is a great coach. You know, Rex Ryan at one point referred to him as a field general, and I believe it. I mean, I, I've talked to guys close to him. He's been doing a great job, but realistically, he hasn't been coaching that long. So I think this is for Mac to be able to take a look and give him a tryout to see if he's actually able to run a team. <laughs> yeah. First and foremost, I mean, nothing Leonard has done he has ever failed at, especially in the game of football where everywhere he's had success at every level, and I am confident in him in the future. I have a little – I have trouble with the thought of a tryout because he steps into this team, and one of the reasons it has not been successful over the last three years is the offense has not been up to par, where we look at the last Wisconsin team to really – I what I would call the last really good Wisconsin team, probably 2019, with Jack Cohn and Jonathan Taylor and a really good defense – and then since then, since 2020, the offense has struggled, for lack of a better term, where he takes over. He's the defensive coordinator, and Paul Chris Staff is still there. Bobby Ingram's still there. The whole tryout idea, I have a little trouble with, given what happens if they go through and they still struggle in games and the offense is still struggling. I don't know how much that tells me about Leonard as a coach, right? Because that's not the group that he assembled on offense, and I don't know how much hand he'll play in the offense performance. Does the defense improve? I mean, they haven't been playing great. That's a good I mean, question. There's, there's going to be certain criteria that, you know, McIntosh is looking at to determine if they've made improvements. It's not just going to be all based on the offense. You know, if, you know, Leonard ends up being offered the, the full-time position, you know, he's going to have a chance to bring in some of his own guys. He's going to have a chance to obviously bring in some of his own recruits. But, you know, it talks about it in the article. One of the biggest surprises for me this year has been the offensive line. It just seems like they're getting pushed around. And I'm, I'm thinking back two, three, you know, four years ago in some situations, I remember seeing their offensive line recruits going, man, they're getting a lot of four or five-star guys, highly highly recruited guys. Where are those guys? You know, Coach Bosett is one of the best offensive line coaches in the country. So did we lose some guys? Did some guys quit? You know, What's, you know, did some of them transfer? You know, I, don't, I haven't followed the program close enough to know those details. But They're all still there. Realistically, you know, this year, you know, they should have the ability that any other team has. I mean, they, they got some really high recruits. 
And that's not, I mean, that hasn't been Wisconsin's model to bring in five stars and they, you know, become instant stars. But, you know, I think there's a good team there. It's going to be up to Leonard to see if he can ignite a fire, if he can get them going, if he can make a few few changes, maybe it's some accountability, you know, whatever the case may be. You know, that, those are all things that, uh, not just McIntosh, I mean, those are things that uh, fans in general are going to be watching. Oh, no doubt. And a lot of it will be the response, how the team responds, maybe even after this weekend, because there's been a lot out there of how tough it's been. They've talked candidly about how tough the Chris firing has been. I mean, the whole, the decision to make it now, where they're two and three, they're in the beginning of Big Ten play, it's a massive risk, obviously, by McIntosh. We haven't seen Wisconsin fire a coach in, what, 30-plus years, and especially in the middle of a season where you're risking the season kind of going downhill, and I don't know if it would have changed had they not made a change at the top. You're risking if it does go downhill, do players transfer? What does the roster turnover look like before there's another coach? But when I look at it from the 10,000-foot view, it's hard for me to argue with them taking the risk given how things are trending. And you mentioned the offensive line. It's not just uh, the recruiting stuff that was outlined in the article over the last couple years, but the early returns on the coaching staff that Chris hired haven't necessarily been terrific. The on-field, like, they're just sloppy, and that's not something you really ever see from a Wisconsin team. Uh, A couple games with 10-plus penalties. So, yes, I think going forward, I I look for Leonard and how the team shows up uh, and just the energy from the team, which I don't know if that's a way to – can you quantify it? I don't think so. But you look at the second half against Illinois, the team looked kind of flat. They came out and they got pushed around, for lack of a better term. It's can the team bring the juice now and get reinvigorated, I guess, going forward? I don't know. It's a huge risk. Yeah, I mean, what I'll be looking for here the rest of the year is, is the team playing with more energy? Are, are they continuing to fight? Are they continuing to make plays? Are they improving on, you know, just different discipline type items less penalties less turnovers playing smart no mental errors no missed assignments you're going to be looking for those kinds of things because to me if you can get the, that's how wisconsin wins they just play smarter football because they we, you know, we don't always have the athletes we're, we're not alabama you know there isn't a, the the backup to the backup is going to come in and be just as good this is that situation you need to play smart you can't hurt yourself you can't play behind the chains those are the types of things you need to look for and uh, to me, that was one of the, as a player, Coach Christ had a ton of passion. We knew it. It's why you see players sticking up for him today. You know, like, players talked about what he did in the in the locker room, but he just has this consistent emotion about himself when he's in a press conference. And, you know, credit to them. They played well. You know, we need to get better. We need to improve things. And, and fans saw that, and I think there's just a, a heightened level of expectations even back when I was there, you know, I think about the Russell Wilson year, we were two Hail Marys away from playing in a national championship. Yeah. So you got Badger fans right now that are like, listen, this isn't enough. And it's very sad as it is, college football has become very much like the NFL, and it's what have you done for me lately? If I can get the same production from someone else for half the cost, you're going to get canned. You're going to get cut. And it's like that in the coaching world. Coach Chris had a ton of success at Wisconsin. I think he is one of the best coaches. I've, I've told people this since he recruited me. I think he's one of the best coaches I've ever played for. This guy is a mad scientist when it comes to offense. All he wants to do is go into his office, shut the door, and dissect the defense and figure out how to beat it. But 
the last few years haven't went his way. And is that his fault? Is it the player's fault? You know, where do you put it? Unfortunately, it starts at the top down. And I think that's why you've seen some of these changes. Yeah, it's hard in terms of the press conference and how the public persona, which a lot of the fans see, because Paul Christ off record when he's not talking to reporters, when he's still having a conversation with them, but off the record, totally different guy. And it switches instantly as soon as it goes on the record. Where I, I would have loved, after the Illinois game, sorry for cutting you off, I would have no, loved for good. him to walk into the press conference, throw a chair, <laughs> drop a few swear words. Like, I think that's what Badger fans wanted to see. They wanted to see some fire. Mike Gundy? Yeah, I mean, just something like that. Tell us you're upset. Yeah. Let us know. Um, I think that's what they were maybe looking for, and that's maybe what was missing in that situation. Yeah, but that stuff works when the team is also winning. But it's also something the fans, at least from the outside, will look at when the team is struggling and point to it as the reason. Mm-hmm. Like, you look at Craig Council with the Brewers, many times he just looks very bland and disheveled and sad after every game. Craig Council's hair just goes crazy <laughs> at the end of a nine-inning baseball game when he's winning. No one cares. But then when he's losing, people say, look, he's bland. He's not energetic. We need someone else. Where that's just how it is. It's also, I mean, you mentioned college football. College football has changed where the job title of a head coach isn't as much just will you be the football coach and the leader of this team. It is can you smuck up with, with all the boosters and can you be a great public persona to, you know, garner more nil money and all that craziness will you be a guy that's you know looking in the portal there's so much more at play there than just i and the recruiting departments everything has grown so much it's more than just i assume even 10 years ago when i was recruited i mean i was not a high profile recruit i was a guy who slipped under stars don't matter literally mech the mech one homestead coach i'm told is who told the wisconsin coaches about me otherwise i'd have been who knows where playing but this is how easy it was. I mean, literally, Coach Christ actually is the one. I mean, Coach Rudolph was my main recruiter, but Coach Chris is actually who came up, sat down in the living room with my family up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, had dinner with us. You know, and this is how simple it was. Literally, as we were eating dinner, he had to throw his gum away, and he said, let me guess, the garbage is under the sink? You know, my parents were like, oh, my God, he's just a down-to-earth guy. You know, he's just one of the one of us. And, I mean, he had like a 75% chance of getting that right, uh, realistically. But he made you feel welcome. He made you feel like family. You know, back then, uh, they had uh, one, of the re- one of the people in the recruiting office. Uh, her name was Sharon, um, older lady, the sweetest lady you could ever hear, that you would ever know of. She literally, when I got invited down to the Illinois game in 2008, we showed up. We thought we were just getting tickets to just go enjoy a game. And she was there. Oh, here, let me take you to your seats. Hey, okay, game's done. We're going to go in the locker room. That's how easy it was. Nowadays, it isn't like that. <laughs> you need well, more. so much of recruiting now is how many online edit videos do you post or do you give a player, right? Where that's been talked about a lot. It was, I feel like it was more personable back when you were being recruited. And that's just from an outsider perspective compared to now, where instead of like, you need to make the person feel very wanted by Twitter edits and, and all that kind of stuff and and different types of ways of reaching out, but publicly, where before Twitter, like I figured you weren't on Twitter when you were being committed or it wasn't a big thing. No. It's all different. And I mean, listen, I, I love Paul Chris. I'll always say that. It's hard for me to sit here though and argue with the change and it being made now. Where the only thing I would say is if you're gonna do it now, maybe why wouldn't you do it earlier? And the answer would be a couple tough losses. But even so, 
I don't think they make this change if, like now, after the losses, if it wasn't already in the heads, right? Because Chris McIntosh comes in. It's his new regime in a way. And I, they're trying to move forward. And we've seen in the athletic article just over time, we've seen the changes that I think McIntosh will try to make. And now they move forward. It's about can they make them. The whole Bo Pelini, Nebraska thing is interesting because many bring it up that Nebraska fires Bo Pelini after he's 9-3, and three, and then they've really been a bad football program since. I kind of put it that this is Wisconsin's going to be because Paul Christ uh, isn't 9-3 and three right now where there are kind of clear slides you're seeing over a three-year sample size. Uh, what do you make of all of that? Because crazily, their end of career records at the schools are within one game of each other. Yeah, I mean, you could make the same, same argument for Michigan when they brought in Rich Rodriguez. I mean, yeah. Michigan wasn't happy with Rose Bowls. They won a national championship. So they bring in Rich Rod, and it was just an epic collapse. And, I mean, how many coaches did they go through? I mean, Brady Hoke. I mean, there was a whole bunch of them from my era even to now landing. You know, not that they got Harbaugh. I mean, they've kind of been back to that level, you know, level, New Year's Day, bowl games, things of like that. So they came back around. I mean, you could I mean, you could go back and say, well, Minnesota used to win national You know, I mean, you could point at any of that. I don't right. think that's. I'm not like I'm not sounding the alarm on that yet. No, not neither would I. And the reason they're making a change is different than Nebraska. Nebraska was winning every game except for the big one they had to. This Wisconsin team has started to slide a little bit, and it isn't only just in the on-field result. You're seeing things uh, from the team in terms of sloppiness or just overall issues that aren't a characteristic of this team. What are they normally? They're normally very dependable. They're tough. They do everything right they let the other team beat them we've seen recently they're starting to beat themselves there are things starting to come through the cracks i think the reasoning is different and therefore i differentiate the two situations yeah 100 percent. and i again we, we talked about it earlier on there's there's skill on this team there's a lot of good players on this team the ability is there i, I just think there's a, a few minor things they can fix and i very fixable things i mean not having the you know penalties that put you behind the sticks that give the uh, opposing offense a first down when you, you should have been cu- coming off the field those are things you can fix and you can get better at and you can work at and i think they're going to be able to do that basically it's just a reset button and i think that's kind of what mcintosh has done here and you know th- again there's there's more than one thing that caused this it isn't that they just lost a few football games you know we, we talked about the recruiting there's some uh, you know different avenues there i'm sure there's things we don't even know about that led to it but I think it's just a reset button. I think it's a chance for Jim to come in and hopefully instill some of his principles and, you know, turn some easy things around. And then it's just, you know, keeping the recruits coming in, keeping the offensive line coming in. You know, personally, we can get into it if you want. I think there's some things on the offense that maybe needs to change for the offense to kind of come back around. You know, defense, I'm just going to call it a down year. I mean, they've had so many good years. You lost a lot of veterans last year. I mean, you really did. So they're trying to find a new identity, and I think they're going to find it. You know, uh, they just got to get comfortable and they got to get some confidence. Yeah, I think even the defense will see it improve drastically. Jim Leonard's talked about it. There have been times where they're in the right call defensively against an offensive set that they see. And one time, like against Illinois, for instance, one time it's a loss of yards or at zero yards. The next time, same look, same defense, and it goes for nine or ten where there are things that they're still trying to figure out and they're eight inexperienced players or eight players that don't have Wisconsin experience 
that are new, whether they were somewhere else or they were younger. I think the defense comes around. I so trust Leonard more than I do. I, I mean, the lack of Chris on offense, but also the offensive staff that are largely inexperienced there. Uh, we're going to get to what to expect throughout the rest of the year and maybe what to change on the offense. I needed to read you one quote from the Jesse Temple Athletic article. It says, uh, one parent of a player said Chris and his coaching staff deserve credit for putting ownership on the players, but that kind of freedom also can create potential conflict. Quote, you see some programs that are controlling about what you're going to wear when you get off the bus. How are you going to represent? What are you going to say? How are you going to the podium? Are you going to have sunglasses and a hat on? Are you going to be professional? He let the kids have that role. He let them make decisions. I think that did not help the cause. I'll put it to you that way. When I read that, I thought it was kind of ridiculous in the grand scheme of, like you have some parents expressing real concerns when it comes to recruiting or the general day-to-day of the program. To say the reason that it was going downhill was because he let the kids choose what to wear on and off the bus. I found that a kind of ridiculous anecdote. Yeah, a little unrealistic. Uh, yeah. To blame a slide on letting you know, the guys decide what they wear coming off the bus. But that being said, you know, most of my career was with the Bielema era, and then I had one year with Coach Anderson. With Coach B, it was always suit and tie. And he basically said, this is a business trip, suit and tie, that's what we wear, get to the game, that's your mindset. Coach Anderson was the exact opposite. He's, you know, yeah, pregame warm-ups, you know, that's what we wear. And, you know, we didn't have a bad year under Coach Anderson, but does it make that big of a difference? Probably not, but I would just say it was, it was a mind shift. I mean, you put that suit on, you jumped on that bus, you had, you know, you had your music going, whatever it was, you were locked in. You were thinking about the game. I was picturing our playbook. I was thinking about the formations the defense was going to give me. I don't know. I mean, you could argue that mentally it made you lock in and start visualizing the game where maybe if these guys are a little too worried about, you know, how they look getting off the bus, you know, maybe they're not focused on the game. But I, I think it's a stretch. It but. was said on Twitter. I'll give Andy credit for this. He said, I think it is clear that a week one priority of Jim Leonard is to figure out the pregame clothing situation. Once he does that, he is a successful head coach. Appreciate that. All right, that is former Wisconsin tight end Jacob Peterson. I am Ben Kenny. We are live from Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. Happy hour going on now, Sunday to Friday, 3 to 7 o'clock. You got discount beers. You got discounts on appetizers. Game day specials, Jello shots for touchdowns, Packers and Badgers. Five for $15 buckets. Monks in Sun Prairie, that is the place to be. Football all season long. Come on by. When we return, we're talking about what to expect from Leonard, what changes maybe, would we like to see made from the program. That is all coming up, as well as week five locks in college football. Week six, actually. I always get that mixed up. But it's Kenny and Heilprin. We're back after this. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, we are back. Kenny and Heilprin, Ben Kenny alongside former Wisconsin tight end Jacob Pedersen. Apologies. Hey, Melapay even got it wrong once. So. I figured, I, yeah, I'm not the first one to do that. So we're live at Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. Again, football season. This is your place to be. We're hanging out here till 6. Feel free to stop on by. So the rest of the season under Jim Leonard, I mean, it's a true, it can go one of two ways kind of proposition to me right now where 
I look back to the Nebraska-Oklahoma game. Scott Frost is fired. Mickey Joseph is their head coach. They come out on fire. Big noon kickoff. The stadium's electric. They score a touchdown on the first drive. And then time sets in, and they realize that their team as a whole, especially the defense, is not that good. And Wisconsin is a much better team than them, at least on paper, or you would hope. But it's a true one of two ways where, at least to me, they can come out on Saturday, 10-point favorites at Northwestern, which I'm going to get your thoughts on that. Sleepy place to play. Uh, they can either come out with their hair on fire, and we see, I mean, fire on the defensive side of the ball, and the offense does enough to win, but maybe things turn around, and the rest of the games on their schedule are really winnable because they're not faced with much of a gauntlet. Or I feel like it could go the other way, where the loss of Chris, if you will, or Chris not being there is such a shock to the locker room that it's hard to get up and get back into the swing and play a football game in the sleepiest venue in the world. Do you kind of see it the same way, like it's a one-of-two-ways kind of season? Or do you still think it could be a gradual improvement as they go along and they fix some of the issues? No, I agree with you. I, I, I hope it doesn't turn out to be the latter. I hope this ignites some fire. I hope they take some responsibility. Because realistically, this didn't all fall on Coach Christ. Oh, no. I mean, it comes down to the players to execute. The, the players play. That's, I mean, the coaches obviously get you prepared, everything else, but it's us on the field on game day. And I'm not going to say coaches don't play a thing, but it's, us to, it's up to us to make plays. So if I'm a player on that team right now, I'm going, I just got my head coach fired. This is on me, and I'm not going to have, you know, they love their other coaches, I promise you, every single one of their position coaches, and they know that their jobs are potentially on the line. It's time you guys kind of pick it up, and you got to start playing for them. So what was the message in your locker room when Brett Bielema left? And the setting was different, but it's the same idea of, well, you guys had one game left, this team has seven, and then maybe they make a bowl game. But what was the message like? after that shock of the news easier for us because it was a chip on our shoulder right I mean, we basically said well we're not good enough for you you know you thought you had to go run to somebody else like so that, we kind of use that as leverage going into it uh so a little different scenario there but again I, I think that's how the team needs to look at it right now i mean they need to look at it as like listen this was our fault you know we didn't make the plays we haven't been taking this serious enough whatever it is i mean you, they can tell themselves whatever they need to tell themselves but you need to come out with some energy and just play. They have all the ability. Just go play. Just go have fun. That's all. That's what it comes down to. It's not that complicated of a game, let me tell you. Well, it, it seems like it. How hard is it, I want to ask, how hard is it to bring legitimate energy to Evanston, Illinois, and Ryan Field, and that place it's with the, three people? It's the one stadium I didn't play at. Really? Career. Yeah. So uh, just how it was during the conference realignments and everything and just how the schedules ended up lining up. As the I mean, divisions outside of like were... Maryland and Rutgers and stuff, like ones that joined after. Yeah. But uh, of the original ones, that was the one stadium I didn't play at. But that being said, Northwestern was always just one of those trap games. I, I, I don't know why. I mean, every Badger fan will tell you that. Northwestern, you always got to circle on your calendar because it's like, man, what Badger team is going to show up that day? Uh, we had years where I played on a lot of really good football teams. And there was years where Northwestern, I mean, they gave us a run for their money, and they weren't that good those years. So, I, I, I like to, I'd like to think that Northwestern is going to be a team where they can kind of bounce back, get things rolling, get some confidence. But That's what I thought about Illinois. It's hard to play. It's so much easier if it was a home game. They could feed off the crowd, you know, get the fans, you know, reinvigorated. Like, 
so it's going to be tough, but you got to fight through it. I mean, those are things you got to do. You got to show up there. You got to make your own energy. And I think they're going to do it. I'm, I'm optimistic. So, and this Northwestern team, by the way, they've lost four straight. They beat Nebraska week one in Ireland. And then Nebraska has done what we have seen it do. They've lost to Southern Illinois. They've lost to Miami of Ohio. They've lost to Duke. And they've lost to Penn State all at home. But still, this is a true throw-out-the-records kind of matchup in Evanston, or it feels like it. What do you think a success is for the rest of the year, both record-wise and also maybe just feel-wise, for Jim Leonard and this team? I mean, I want to see him win the rest of the games. They're all winnable games. There isn't a game on their calendar that you look at and say, man, they're, they're all matched here. I mean, they, they should win the rest of their games, even Minnesota. I mean, we're as good of a football team as them. So I think you got to say we're going to win every single game. I don't need you to blow out every single team. But for me, I want to see better discipline. I want to see less penalties. I want to see, you know, the things we talked about, the, the blocking and tackling, the X's and O's, you know, crossing your T's and dotting your I's. I mean, use whatever analogy you want to use. It's back to basics. That's how Wisconsin football is won. Now, that being said, I think there's some things they need to change. You know, the like what? Just, I you know, Wisconsin's identity has always been just ground and pound. Big offensive linemen, you know, great running backs, uh, game managers at the QB position with, you know, some solid receivers. And I, I think that just needs to change. I think you, the days are over of. I think the Wisconsin offensive line just being able to overpower every single team. I mean, the weight rooms have improved on all these other programs. The defensive lines have beefed up. You know, I just, not that they can't get in there and just, you know, win a grudge match. I think they can, but teams are stacking nine people in the box. It's hard to run at. It was hard to run at when I was there. We faced it. I mean, it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> it's not fun. I mean, it's kind of boring football, but realistically, you know, it's the tail of the tape. Look back at the offenses the last 10, 15 years for Wisconsin. If you're a Badger fan, think about the last 15 years. What was the best offense? What was the most fun offense you ever watched for a Badger football program? 2019 to me, easily. 2019? Oh, my God. I will well, raise you. Well, two, I will do raise you include two. the – wait, 15 years. I was just thinking – I thought you went back seven or eight. I'm going back to 2011 okay. with Russell Wilson. I would, was I would say that I easy for me to say one. that because I was on the team. I would say that. <laughs> but that was an electric offense. I didn't care who it was. I knew if our offense had the ball, we were going to go down and score. And a big factor of that was the QB position. But, I mean, there was more to it. I mean, I, the backups on that offensive line all ended up getting drafted in the NFL. Yeah. That helps. You know, we had some great running backs, James White, Monty Ball, Melvin Gordon. I mean, you, you, those are some obviously some great guys on that. But it was Russell's ability that he was a run threat. He could extend the play with his feet. You know, and he would get outside of the pocket, and he didn't just look to run. You know, so we were practicing scramble drills in practice. And, you know, we had some excellent receivers at the same time, but it wasn't anybody that Wisconsin can't recruit. You know, Nick Toon, Jared Aberderis, you know, we, we had some shifty slot guys and David Gilreath and Isaac Anderson. And, you know, just that, it's almost like what Ohio State's doing right now. You have a pro-style QB who's a threat to run, threat to get outside of the pocket. Defenses have to respect it. And then you got some big receivers who can stretch the field. That just opens it up for the offensive line and the running backs. I, and to me, that's where I envision it going. And I don't know if it's just because I played on a team that had that ability. It's just fun. Yeah, so I'm with you on this scheme. And I've said the most important decision I think the department can make, number one is likely are they going to keep Leonard. But I think that decision is kind of already made, or I think it might even be forced on them 
if Leonard does a really good job. The most important thing they do is who are they going to hire as offensive coordinator this time? Is it a guy that has a lot of college experience? Is it a guy that brings a big track record that has recruited well in the past? Where I think that can be a big impact spot that can maybe change it. My problem is, in terms of Ohio State and the top the top teams they're competing with, I don't think they can get those players. How much have they tried? I don't know. I'm, I mean, Wisconsin has had success. Again, I was a two-star guy. I had an okay career at Wisconsin. I was a two-star guy who literally if a Wisconsin high school football coach didn't mention me to the program, they wouldn't have found me. But I, that's who Wisconsin historically has had a lot of success with. And I just I think you need to find someone who can bring energy to these recruits, you know, in my opinion. We are live at Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. That is Jacob Pedersen. I am Ben Kenny. We'll be back. Wisconsin versus Northwestern on Saturday. We'll talk about it more. More coming up after this. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, we are back. It is Kenny and Heilprin live from Monks in Sun Prairie. That is Jacob Pedersen. I am Ben Kenny. Wisconsin Northwestern coming up on Saturday. The Badgers, I mean, somewhat of a crossroads, I guess you could call it, with the firing of Paul Chris. Jim Leonard comes in. Many changes uh, are going to be made. We were talking about that before we hit break. Offensive philosophy, I think, is a real thing. And then I think it also has to do with how much are you pouring into the departments to have them succeed? Because there is so much money that is coming into this program in the coming years with the TV deals and everything that how much are you going to invest? And I'm not saying they haven't done it with the staff. They pay their staff a lot better these days, at least relatively so, than they did. Part of the reason Brett Bielema wanted to, <laughs> to leave. Um, but how much are you going to pour into NIL and into recruiting to actually help? And how much does the head coach buy into that? Because I've seen many out there when we were talking about Paul Christ and the department say, yeah, but the department as a whole won't do this. To me, my sense in the sport as an outsider mostly is all programs move as their head coaches move. Where you have Urban Meyer come to Ohio State, suddenly SEC recruiting. It's hey, When you are the head of the program, you get what you want, you run things, and the department kind of caters to you. That's my sense. So I want to see... I a new investment into success all good some technical difficulties here at monks in sun prairie uh this is the place to be again to watch football all all fall long they have happy hour sunday to friday three to seven o'clock uh spotted cow deals beer deals appetizer deals all of that good stuff um come on by uh we are here again until six o'clock every thursday from five to six is it good now let's do this we're, we're we're doing the old back and forth the old uh the old terrestrial radio way of, of doing things so i mean when we talk about investment and, and how the program can succeed you said you want the offensive philosophy to change does that start with an offensive coordinator or does it start way up top with the head coach and what he wants to do with the team i mean let's just pretend it's Jim. I mean, he's a defensive-minded coach, so he's going to have to bring in an offensive coordinator. Who that is, I don't know. I mean, I haven't looked at what's available, what's out there. You know, we talked a little bit about the offensive philosophy and where I think it should go. doesn't mean that's right, uh, but, you know, are there coaches out there who have success with that kind of approach, ones that can help you bring in some of those other recruits that maybe need to fit the bill? I don't really think Wisconsin needs to change their 
recruiting all that much to get to that style of an offense. I really don't. Uh, we've we've had QBs that have the ability to do that kind of stuff. We've had receivers historically that have fit that bill. You know, taller guys can run. You know, stretch the field, that kind of stuff. Uh, it's just spreading things out a little more. Again, I'm not going to pretend like that's going to automatically work. If it works great, I'll take all the credit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I think you know, let's just pretend it's Jim who gets hired for the full time job. He needs. I mean, that offensive coordinator position is going to be one of his most important. It is, it's his most important hire that he's going to make. Most importantly, you mentioned it talking about Russell Wilson and the offense. One thing this program has lagged a bit with in the last couple of years is investing in the quarterback position. Where Jack Cohn goes down in 2020, Graham Mertz is kind of forced to step in, probably before he was ready. Uh, likely, like if this was Mertz's first year starting, I think we would look at him and at the career a lot differently. He was forced in probably a little too early. Since then, no quarterbacks in the portal, not many recruiting-wise, and now they're all young. They're not ready to play yet. It also is, are you going to invest on that maybe one-and-done transfer quarterback to really catch it at the right time? Are you going to put more into that position because these days you need it, maybe more so than when you were playing in terms of like a game manager and a great team around him worked more? And Georgia just did it, but Georgia's defense was otherworldly good. These days, like you need that dynamic guy, or you're probably not reaching the heights. I mean, we talked about 2011 with Russell Wilson. I mean, that literally was reaching into the transfer portal. So, you know, the case study for that works pretty dang well. But I, I'm not ready to give up on Mertz yet. I, I think he's got a lot of ability. There's different things like that. I, I mean, maybe a different offense approach where you get him outside the pocket a little bit, you get him moving. Maybe that helps him. Maybe he becomes a, a completely different QB. You know, I think he's got a ton of potential that maybe we're not realizing. There's things like that that I, I think you just need to try out for size and just see what it works. I, I think about some of the teams. I, I played on a lot of really good offenses at Wisconsin. Every single year, we were really good at something else. You know, one year it was the jet sweep with Melvin Gordon. The Russell Wilson year, it's getting Russell out of the pocket and moving. You know, the Scott Tolzien year, it was your standard pro style, just beat up on everybody. You know, you, you got to find what the strength is for the team you have on the field. And I think that's one of the, the issues right now with this offense is they just haven't found what that is yet. Um, you, you mentioned jet sweeps. That's one way to get every Badger fan going in every direction. You mentioned that play, they go crazy. Because when it's not working, they call for more jet sweeps, not really knowing that the way jet sweeps work is you also need a downhill run game to be working to even create the deception. I have to ask you, I mean, you played with Russell Wilson. I, a little cringeworthy these days, right, Mr. Unlimited? Would you side with that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I've read reports that he's not doing what he used to do. So, I mean, it's, it's, very, it's a hard answer to say, but yeah. <laughs> No, he's a great quarterback. I, amazing quarterback. I just laugh at some of the – sometimes it's a little cliche, the uh, Denver, let's ride, Broncos country. I, you saw that video, I assume. Yeah, all right, it, interesting stuff. So Wisconsin Northwestern coming up on Saturday. The Badgers are 10-point favorites after the coaching move. We have locks of the week coming up. Uh, it's interesting to see how Wisconsin responds. We'll get into that. Four games as well as the Badger game. Zach went 0-5 last week, and many are wondering if he is dipping this show to not face the music after missing every pick he made, but we shall see. Maybe he shows up next week with an equally bad record. We'll get into week five locks when we return. That is Jacob Pedersen. I am Ben Kenny. We are live from Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. Final segment coming up next.
This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, welcome back, Kenny and Heilprin, Jacob Pedersen, former Wisconsin tight end alongside. Can I say former NFL tight end for the ring of it? You were there. If you want, I got one preseason catch. That's fine. Hey, that's more than almost every human ever to live. So that'll count. So Wisconsin Northwestern this weekend, I guess when you're talking about the offense and how it kind of rebounds and steps forward, do you think it truly has to start with the ground game? Because I agree with you. I've liked what I've seen from Mertz generally, minus those couple mistakes that just are the things that swing the game in the wrong direction. But I am still high on what he could do in this offense. The bigger thing to me has been there hasn't been much around him helping. And when it has worked, penalties have set them back. There's always something. But do you think it has to start with getting the offensive line going in the ground game and getting Braylon Allen going? Or, because of what we've seen, do you think it maybe has to start with getting Mertz involved and then getting the ground game going off that? I think you take what the game gives you. I really don't care where it comes from because, I mean, if you get the ground game going, that helps the pass game. But if that's if you jump into the Northwestern game and you're through the first quarter and you're not getting any, you know, you're not racking up any sort of yards on the ground game, no. Try something different. Try and air it out. Try and get Mertz out of the pocket. Try and do something. Like, that's what I want to see. I just want to see you try something. You know, do something different if, if – the ground game isn't working. But, yeah, I mean, if you can build some confidence in the offensive line, you know, build some confidence in the run game, start to rack up some yards, you know, start to impose your will a little bit, yeah, go and do it. But if it's not, don't wait till the fourth quarter to try and change something up. That's what I want to see. <laughs> yeah, against Illinois, I, I definitely – and also the Washington State game as well, you kind of felt, at least I did, a stubbornness when there were certain things that weren't working well, but it just – we saw it over and over and over again. And then that kind of ended up being somewhat of a downfall in addition to all the other stuff. I have good news. Northwestern's defense is towards the bottom of the country and everything. So, I, again, if there's a game to do it, I said Illinois was the game to do it because you looked at the first couple of weeks and Washington State happened and then Ohio State is Ohio State. And then they come back. It's, oh, you crush Illinois. So this is the time to get it right. That didn't happen. It's a pretty good Illinois team. Their defense is pretty good. Definitely some playmakers on the back end. Northwestern, this is the point where it's like, okay. It doesn't matter what Big Ten team it is, and I've, I've told people this. It, it could be any Big Ten team, the bottom Big Ten team, or the best Big Ten team. Any Big Ten team can win any game any week. So I think this Badger team is probably over overlooking other teams. So I don't think they. You, I don't think you look at this game and say, you know what, this is really the week to come in here and, you know, yeah. That's how I look at it. That's how you look at it. I, <laughs> I'm saying me as a player. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm just ready to come in and destroy whoever it is on the other side. I don't care if it's Ohio State or Northwestern. Yes. Realistically, this is probably a more ideal matchup to start to find that identity, start to build that confidence than it is against Iowa or Minnesota. You know, those are historically grudge matches in themselves. But, again, any Big Ten team can surprise you on any week. But, yes, if I'm Wisconsin, I'm going in there. I'm ready to, you know, give it my all, play my best, figure out who the heck we are and what we're going to be for the rest of this season. I mean, if I'm, a, if I'm a senior, if I'm a team leader on this Badger team, I mean, this is your chance to say, okay, you know, again, we talked about it. It's the reset button. Let's come out. Let's show who we really are. Let's show them the ability we have. You know, let's get some confidence back in the fans and – 
it's a perfect chance this week to go do that. It's also a perfect chance to uh, – the week's been tough from what I've read from writers that have been interviewing the players and what the players have said directly. It's very tough on them. I would think it's a week to uh, – they're excited to get back on the field and play again where it's been a long week and a hard one. I would think the best way to get past that is to all play together again. Would you say that? Yeah, I mean, it's drama. I mean, no one, no one in the program likes the drama. They don't like – when you're talking to the media, you, you don't like the questions they've been receiving all week. You know, they want to talk about which one of their teammates played really well. They want to look forward to the upcoming game. You know, that's the stuff they want to talk about. So, yeah, I'm sure – in rightfully so like I, I hope they're sick of it let's never ha- let, let's not let it happen again say so, you know what like this sucks <laughs> let's be done with it yeah let's move forward so they're 10 point favorites at northwestern do they cover on saturday what's the over under that is a good question i can find that uh so yeah, I, yes i'm gonna say they do you know we, we thought they were gonna do that against illinois but i do i i i think this, 44 okay yeah, let's just say they do. I think the I think the offense is going to come out hungry. I think the defense is going to come up fired up. I think they're going to be playing for each other. You know, that's that's the biggest thing here. I, I I don't know if it happened. Maybe we had a bunch of individuals out there these first few weeks. Guys caring about themselves, caring about their NIL deals. I, I it's unfair of me to assume that, but that's what I want to feel like. I want to feel like you know what these guys are thinking about themselves and they've changed. They realize now that, you know, the Badger team, you guys are a family. You're playing for the guy next to you. And, you know, if somebody else screws up, the next guy in covers for him. You know, that's how you got to play. I mean, it, you got you to play with that passion. You got to play with that spirit. And you got to play for each other because right now everyone else is written you off. All the media experts, all the other teams in the country, everyone else is written you off. You got a few Badger fans out there hanging on. but I'm hanging on. <laughs> I always hang on. I'm hanging on too. I'm a. I, I never watch the games. We talked about it early on. I never watch the games, but I always I'm watching the score on my phone. <laughs> so I'm always following along. So I, I feel confident. I think they're going to bounce back. Say say again what you told me earlier. You don't watch the games because I, I just I can't watch football like a fan. I I watch it like I'm that watching is film. Crazy. So the average fan looks at it and they're like, ooh, five six yard gain. And I'm like, you know what? If the tight end would have sealed that block, it would have been fifteen. That's how I look at it. But the television broadcasts are so bad for doing that because the angles suck. You can't see half the field most of the time. I think maybe it cuts off enough of the field where you feel better. No? No, because, I mean, realistically, I'm watching where the point of attack is. It doesn't matter if it's an offensive guard pulling, a receiver running a, a route. And, I mean, it goes the opposite way where I'm like, oh, wow, like, what a great break, you know, like. 100% 100% that was, you know, a great receiver QB connection. Like, I, it goes both ways, but more often than not, I'm usually critical yeah. <laughs> of what's going on. So it just makes it not, uh, not that fun. Gotcha. All right. Wisconsin 10-point favorites at Northwestern. I'll hit these quick, but we have four other picks to make. And if you have a feeling, feel free to chime in on any of these. The TCU Horned Frogs are minus 6.5 at Kansas. College game day is in Kansas for the first time ever. And I'm all over Lance Leipold's team. Uh, we might have had him on the radio show earlier this week. We might not have. That's hard to say. <laughs> I, I'm taking Kansas plus six and a half. So is Zach. Do you know Lance Leipold at all? I don't. I know a few guys who played for him. Right. I, I mean, he is a legend in this state. And that is all I will say. UCLA uh, is three and a half point dogs at home against Utah. 
big look-ahead match. You have Utah against USC coming up next week. Could be a Pac-12 decider. Zach and I are both taking UCLA. Real quick, Washington State, our Washington State Cougars, after beating the Badgers, I'm rooting for them to be better so that the loss looks less bad as time goes on. They almost beat Oregon. I, I was, they're good. I was sitting in the Eugene airport when Oregon was losing to them. Oh, goodness. And I was telling all the fans, I'm like, hey, man, I, I feel you. And then they ended up losing. I'm yes. Like, uh, Bo Nix decided to do good things yeah. for, for once. Uh, we're both taking Washington State plus 12 and a half. The last one, Iowa at Illinois. Illinois, three and a half point favorites. Vegas is starting to be all over this team. I'm taking Iowa plus three and a half. I don't know why. It's just I want to bounce against the Illinois team after what happened last week. Zach's taking Illinois, and I am sad to say. And maybe this is good because I've missed every pick I've made this entire season. I think you got to go Illinois there. I'm taking Northwestern plus 10. I just see even if Wisconsin wins, I don't see how, it's a, how it is a blowout. Nah, man, I got Wisconsin. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it, Jacob. Thank you for hanging out. It's been great. The Badgers Northwestern coming up this Saturday, 2.30. Zach, hopefully we'll be back on Tuesday. We will talk to you at 6 o'clock then, obviously, as a podcast afterwards. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. See ya.